Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Animales humanos, animales humanos, animales, animales, animales humanos, animales humanos, animales, Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. This includes animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and, importantly, appreciation. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia and streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are available via the 3CR and Freedom of Species websites. All podcasts are available via iTunes. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie, and today I'm going to share with you another excellent presentation from the 2015 Animal Activists Forum in Melbourne. This one's a joint presentation from Che Neal and Rebecca Russo of Animal Liberation Queensland, and it's regarding the expose of the greyhound industry's live baiting practice. Che and Rebecca talk about how the investigation unfolded and the outcome. And I think you'll find it a really interesting presentation, particularly in light of the ABC's latest and recent expose of the industry's regular exportation of dogs to the horrors of racing tracks in Asia. Stick around afterwards as I have some updates to the live baiting story, plus a community announcement. All right, I thought I might get started. So my name's Shay Neal. I'm the president of Animal Liberation Queensland, and this is Rebecca Russo. Um, it's also on the Committee of Animal Lib Queensland and we've both been sort of very involved in the greyhound racing campaign this year. So, yeah, so today we're just going to talk a bit about the campaign background, um, the investigation we did into live baiting, um, the partnership with Animals Australia and sort of how it all unfolded from there, the fallout in the industry and government and where to from here. So to start with, I think you're going to give a quick background about the industry. Okay, so um, just very briefly, just some greyhound industry information. There are only eight countries in the world where the commercial greyhound racing um, industry exists. We are one of them and we are actually the largest. There's approximately about $3 billion wagered annually, so this is um, quite a lucrative industry. There are around 20,000 pups um, born into the industry every single year and that that figure over probably about the last decade has remained unchanged. Until, you know, uh, throughout our campaigning, uh, we we wanted to gain uh, much more insight into the breeding practices and the issues of wastage that were, um, you know, inherent in the industry. Finally, that information proved to be very, very difficult 
it was quite obviously hidden and very well hidden. They didn't want people to really um, gain insight into the life cycle of these dogs that were being exploited in the industry. We figured that um, there were somewhere around 17,000 to 18,000 greyhounds um, killed every single year, which would include puppies that didn't even make it to the track. Um, dogs that were euthanized at vets when they were no longer useful. <coughs> pardon me, when they were no longer useful, or those um, animals that suffered a cruel fate um, by their owners and trainers. So, as I, as I briefly mentioned, wastage was a huge issue that um, we wanted to gain more insight into, and with um, quite focused research, we were able, um, with the information that we could actually get, um, that Greyhounds Australasia did actually have available, um, estimate that 17,000 to 18,000 number every single year. Another thing um, we found out was the use of greyhounds in terminal veterinary surgeries. So they were um, essentially being experimented on um, by students um, to perform these surgeries and the, the outcome for these dogs was death. Um, we tried to make some um, inroads and there were a few successes um, with the university but ultimately I think it, it's, they're probably still doing it at this point, aren't they? It's scaled back, but there's still some surgeries going on using greyhounds. Another um, issue um, that uh, we've, we found, um, and quite a big issue, was um, bloodletting, or the, the use of greyhounds as um, donors for other dogs. They are considered uh, uh, essentially a universal blood donor, so a, a lot of trainers were actually using the uh, uh, veterinary surgeries to bleed out their dogs to donate it to other clients' animals um, for free. So they were performing these euthanasias in exchange for the animal's blood products. And probably our biggest campaigning, um, we built a, a very robust collaborative uh, grassroots campaign against the proposed new track um, at Logan, which is in southeast Queensland. This was part um, of the previous Labor government's pledge to the racing industry and then when the um, LNP took over, they um, included it as part of their $110 million pledge to um, bolster the racing industry in Queensland. The way that the local council and state government worked together was um, you know, morally and ethically questionable, but certainly not illegal in the way that there was no community consultation required. Um, but we found just from being in the local community itself, meeting with local business owners and just residents, there was a massive, massive um, community opposition. Obviously, the, the biggest concern was more, you know, an expansion of an industry that was already overbreeding and killing thousands and thousands of dogs. We did not want that expansion happening in our backyard, and that was a huge focus from 2012. So um, our first demo held at Logan um, did get uh, local media attention and we had um, a pretty big turnout, about 100 people, lots of greyhounds there and again um, the the voice of the community was, is, was so strong. We met with so many local people on that day, um, local councillors and politicians who were very outspoken um, against the track. Um, we thought, um, just to gain some more traction, 
and uh, get the support of not only the locals, but use the, the power and the support network of other groups that had the, of the same interest. So these were greyhound advocacy groups as well. So um, Friends of the Hound is a fantastic um, greyhound adoption group. They rescue so many dogs and do such a wonderful job. Grey2K USA is an um, advocacy group based in the US and they have been instrumental in uh, shutting down so many tracks um, in the United States and also campaigning against the export of Australian greyhounds to Macau. Um, Animal Welfare League of Queensland were very supportive and Gone of the Dogs, to, um, another advocacy group that um, with the goal to end greyhound racing. So we formed a coalition of sorts and again, just sort of, um, we're very instrumental in sort of bolstering our already established campaign on the ground and recruiting locals. Probably, I wouldn't say the thousands, but certainly by the hundreds, we were getting messages all the time, phone calls. People were doing letterbox drops for us. We had the local Greens member and a business owner on the ground for us nearly every weekend on the corner of the track site you know, fielding um, our questions from local residents. And then it, it ended up in the um, submission of about 13,000 petition signatures, I think, which was probably collected over about a six month period. And what has now ended up, we have the local council on side, they have spoken publicly, um, spoken out publicly, sorry, against the track, which is hugely significant given that many of their members play quite a large role in um, um, trying to get this track established. And it culminated in a fantastic demo in October of last year. Um, which had the support of over 200 people. We got um, local and state media coverage, including Channel 7. Was there any other? Yeah, so we got a spot, albeit briefly, but a spot nonetheless um, on Channel 7 News that night. And again, it just empowered this movement um, and, and it gained momentum. Before I head on to that, um, everyone here has um, seen Four Corners, I assume. One of the, the best kept secrets, apart from the mass wastage, the overbreeding, killing of healthy dogs, and just the, the general mistreatment of animals, was um, the rumours of live baiting. They had been around within greyhound circles and um, advocacy groups alike, but there was no documented evidence um, in this country, and certainly I think internationally, there had, it, it had never been um, recorded. We received very um, credible um, evidence and advice from uh, both people within advocacy groups and industry representatives themselves that live baiting was in fact happening right under our noses um, in southeast Queensland. This really resonated, um, this comment, it smells like death. And this was referring to um, the, uh, the property that ended up just being the sort of epicentre of um, live baiting in Queensland. So the investigation site itself was only an hour and a half, um, an hour and a half's drive away from Brisbane and certainly under the noses of the industry.
At this point in time, the industry self-regulated. So they um, very much operated within a model that included promoting their commercial aspects and ensuring the welfare of um, greyhounds within the industry. So there was an inherent conflict of interest. And despite um, submissions being made at the New South Wales inquiry a couple of years ago, which was um, focused on New South Wales itself, but certainly there was evidence um, put forth from Queensland, it was routinely um, ignored. So we stepped in and you can see Maybe <laughs> the, this, the area itself is just dotted with um, training tracks. So all around this area, is just um, it's the epicentre of greyhound racing in Queensland, and probably represents around 50 to 60 percent of the entire um, number of participants in the state. And I'll hand you over to Jay. Cool. So. It Turned out to be quite a good thing that they, that our campaign to stop the Logan track wasn't easy because, and that's the track actually is still on hold. We'll come to that more later. Um, but I mean, that was originally our goal. We thought that was something achievable, something local that, as a small grassroots group made up entirely of volunteers, that we could look at tackling. Um, but we knew we needed something bigger to get more attention and sort of bring this into the spotlight. And as Beck mentioned, we'd had sort of credible um, reports that this was happening um, out in that area in Churchable. So our investigators went out there um, over a period of many, uh, a period of several months, um, planning cameras, um, reviewing footage, going back, trying again um, to identify the the tracks that's happening, where it's happening, get the best spot and actually get the footage can, can be quite tricky. Um, yeah, with the technology is always, you know, memory and battery life of the camera equipment being used. Um, so yeah, often it's a matter of planning the cameras, going back in, getting them, going back in again, trying a new spot, reviewing the footage. A lot of footage had to be reviewed, so it's quite a huge process to go through. Um, but ultimately were successful in getting live baiting footage um, happening at those tracks in Churchable at Tom Noble's property. Um, so yeah, some of the animals being used, obviously um, the pig there, um, which were, we believe, being captured and um, so wild pigs and being brought to the property. There was possums also being captured and brought to the property. Um, so we wanted to make sure this is as big as possible. Um, yeah, we want to make sure we get the biggest bang for our buck. We knew this was big. Um, as Beck mentioned, the live baiting footage hadn't been recorded anywhere in the world that we we're aware of. Um, our two sort of non-negotiables were making as sort of big a media splash as we could. We didn't just want one trainer to get charged and go to court because we knew the problem was much more widespread. Um, but we did want to make sure that those people involved did face prosecution. So it was quite a juggling act and uh, very grateful for the advice from Animals Australia sort of navigating that as well, making sure we got um, you know, major media on board and um, the prosecutions. Yeah, so once we got the footage um, in Queensland, we then approached Animals Australia to see if they had any leads or um, anything of, um, in other states. 
So yeah, the Animals in Australia launched investigations into New South Wales and Victoria. Um, we all agreed that it was important for this to be a national campaign um, to have the biggest impact. If it was just Queensland alone, it'd be very easy for other states to say this is just an isolated Queensland problem. So, so yes, yeah, so it was great that we eventually got uh, footage of New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. And of course the other thing is that, um, especially during the course of the Queensland investigation, each time we got footage, there was more and more people implicated. And these weren't just you know, one or two, you know, no-name trainers. These were, you know, like half of the top ten trainers in the industry that we caught on film. So this is, you know, all the big names involved, people that are making big money from racing these dogs that are effectively are train, trained illegally. Yes, yeah, so there was complaints uh, prepared and lodged with each of the state-based authorities. Um, had to be quite carefully coordinated with the RSPCAs in each state. Um, but they did come on board um, very supportively and conducted, conducted raids, unannounced raids on the property. And in Queensland, they're actually, um, they actually in the process of um, doing live baiting when the RSPCA rocked up. So they managed to you know, take some of the um, pigs away that were being used. Um, and that's, again, sort of even more than we expected because yeah, the, the t we knew roughly when they, they did it from the footage and stuff. They knew that we did it, they did it fairly regularly. Um, but for the RSPCA to catch them red-handed was just fantastic and will um, certainly help in the ongoing court cases, which, which, yeah, so I think we'll come to that more later. But, yeah, quite a number of people have been charged, um, especially in Queensland, and those court cases will be ongoing for quite a number of months, potentially a year or more. So then we came to the Four Corners expose, um, which went to air in February this year. Um, I'm assuming most of you probably saw that. It's still available on the ABC website if you didn't. Um, we were deliberately very quiet, um, not sort of making public um, what we'd found until after the Four Corners. Um, obviously, there was RSPCA raids. Um, that's sort of meant that the industry knew that something was up um, and sort of, yeah, gossip started going around the industry that, you know, they're in trouble. Um, so yeah, so they were running scared. Um, There's also the Four Corners um, promotion that, of course, they um, promote what's coming up that week in the sort of week lead up. And that actually had Lynn White's voice in the thing, so we thought, right, they know we're all involved now. <laughs> Yeah, so um, there's a quote from the CEO of Grey Greyhound Racing Victoria, sort of shows just how, how worried they were about this program and the fallout. It goes without saying that we will be forever grateful for the, the amazing um, support and teamwork from everyone at Animals Australia. Um, we couldn't have had the, well, this story wouldn't have had the, the impact that it has and, and the ongoing response um, and the revelations that continue to come from the actions of the industry without their support. We had um, a huge public response um, immediately following the um, Four Corners expose. Uh, everyone was on side. Um, it wasn't actually that difficult, um, apart from putting some posts up on Facebook 
um, and linking to platforms to write to politicians and make some noise. People did it for us. One of the biggest um, sponsors of the greyhound racing industry nationally was Macro Meats. They pulled their support straight away. There was widespread media coverage um, that holds at least for 24, 72 hours and then ongoing since then, weekly, daily, just depending on what arises. There was media coverage just state-based nationally and quite a lot of international pickups as well. So you, you couldn't hide from it. It was everywhere. And um, certainly the, the industry um, would have been at a loss of how to justify their existence at that time because there was no way on earth that their activities would ever meet public expectations and probably won't ever again, hopefully. Their first response um, was to cancel all of the awards nights um, that were um, scheduled around that time, which was fairly significant. This is their one time to sort of, you know, um, sing everyone's praises and, um, you know, just big note themselves and be uh, rewarded. And probably a lot of them would have been there being rewarded for illegal activity. Um, and certainly many trainers have been warned off permanently. And as I mentioned before, the supporter-driven pressure was huge. Um, again, uh, the, a lot of, well, most of the legwork with um, website and social media came from our friends at AA, and um, it was a matter of using their wonderful campaign materials that um, I certainly could never create <laughs> for Facebook, and just seeing this huge response. And us, um, as, a, as a much smaller organisation, had never seen before, and the, the ongoing response was massive um, and as a result of this community driven pressure these sponsors started to drop out straight away they were dropping it like flies in the first week so if you want to celebrate a win I think every single night I mean was rushing home from work well <laughs> was on Facebook at work let's face it <laughs> I didn't do much that week sorry Queensland Health um, it was just it was so wonderful and to say we were excited and delighted was, would be an understatement. We would just be forever grateful. This um, is part of the fantastic microsite that people were drawn to, to see exactly that. What are you really betting on? What does the industry not want you to see? Well, this is where that they could go and find out some more information. There was a wonderful campaign video that was associated with that. And um, people, lots of people took action um, their politicians. It's just um, one of the fantastic um, social media graphics that um, we were posting daily um, as these sponsors kept dropping like flies. And it just created that, um, it was that teamwork with everyone. It wasn't about us as organisations. This um, community pressure, this is what people were achieving. So everyone had wins. One thing that was really important um, was f uh, making sure people understood greyhounds are victims of greyhound racing as well. We know now that there's around 17,000 um, that are killed every single year and that's been confirmed by the industry. But um, certainly it was really important to paint a picture of these um, sensitive, loving, beautiful animals that are just being exploited for money. Um, they're not um, aggressive. They're trained um, and cajoled into these horrible situations to make greedy, horrible people money. 
and um, that just shows just the horrific kenneling conditions that these poor animals have to endure. So again, um, AA produced a beautiful video, which I sh should have played, but anyway, it's still on there. Um, you can find it on the Facebook page, just showing what amazing, beautiful, um, gentle, lazy, they're so lazy, um, <laughs> dogs, my kind of dog, um, these animals are, and this is just a beautiful representation of um, a, a greyhound sitting next to a beautiful brush-tailed possum, which is quite um, symbolic and, and beautiful, I think, in light of the, the horrible cruelty that some of those possums endured. And that little greyhound apparently was terrified <laughs> of the possum. <laughs> Can you imagine? So, yeah. And that really, that resonated with people. And it, it was so nice to see. Um, even in every, there was no, no, not a single media report that painted these um, animals as vicious. So that was nice to see. And I know um, a lot of the greyhound adoption groups were just inundated with support of adoptions and um, fostering. Cool, so obviously one of the biggest um things that we saw was just huge widespread ongoing media coverage. Um, the 1500 articles just of the ones that I read that sort of came through my inbox. It was just, it was a lot of work just keeping up with the media articles coming through. But yeah, there's probably tens of thousands like worldwide, print, radio, TV, everything like it's just been incredible. And as a lot of you have probably seen that still rolling on the news with the New South Wales inquiry at the moment. Um, yeah, it just doesn't stop. There's been um, two good features on the project. There's been ABC News stories. There's, yeah, it's just been incredible. And the other part of that is we didn't really have to do much to drive that media. Like, we obviously did the investigation and um, sort of made sure that got on four corners. But after that, it just got a life of its own. And in some ways, this was an easy campaign from that point on because I guess the greyhound trainers don't do themselves any favours. So they're an easy group to vilify, and it's not something that um, most people in the community are directly involved in. So it's very easy to, you know, point the finger and say, you know, these people are, are just, yep, they shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong, and certainly the media have been very supportive the whole time. So in Queensland, there was a joint police and RSPCA task force formed um, very quickly after that, and. They've, they're still ongoing. Um, they spent months just investigating southeast Queensland. They focused on that church ball area we saw before. Um, and yeah, they must be commended for the great work they've done. Um, I'm sure there are many animal advocates in this room that have you know, put complaints into the RSPCA and not always been impressed with the result. But this is certainly an area that I think they've done a great job. Um, yeah, so there's now been at least 23 people charged. Um, on about 65 charges in total. Some of those are for serious animal cruelty, which was um, in the criminal code, um, a new sort of law in Queensland that was added in the last couple of years, and it carries a maximum, I think, of seven years in prison. So we're very hopeful that some of the worst people involved will actually face some jail time. Um, but as I said before, um, yeah, those court cases are ongoing and probably run for many months still. Live baiting's been something that's been going on for decades. Like, there's been rumours floating around. We've had so many people contact us since the Four Corners story, people that have, you know, been involved back in the Joe Bianca, 
Peterson era in Queensland where there's a lot of police corruption and stuff up around Townsville and stuff. People, all these reports of, you know, police being involved themselves and live baiting and, you know, trafficking money through the industry and all sorts of, yeah, all sorts of illegal activity. Um, yeah, there was a mass grave discovered in um, Bundaberg, Sorry. which gave, yeah, more media time. Um, so it's a story that, yeah, the other thing was the police and media actually worked together quite well as well, um, which isn't always the case. Um, so the police were feeding all these stories, what they could, um, to the media. So it seemed like, you know, almost every day, certainly every week um, for some time, there was a new report in the media of someone being charged. And one of them that really stood out for me, which just shows the stupidity of these people, was someone was live baiting using kittens um, after the Four Corners went to air, knowing that there was these task force out there and they were still live baiting. And these are people that had already um, been charged as well. So these are the sort of people we're dealing with. Yep. So there's a couple of quotes um, from people in the industry and, and from the detective sergeant who was leading that um, task force. So it's great when you have people of authority like that sort of coming up and confirming basically what we believed, that live baiting is that so widespread. So the Queensland Government launched the Commission of Inquiry. Well, it was initially an independent inquiry. Um, $3 million set aside, which would come out of the industry for that inquiry. Um, and it was later upgraded to a Commission of Inquiry, which basically gave the um, Commissioner more powers, basically to compel people to give evidence. Um, so it was a fairly good process. Um, we, we met with them for several hours and we made a comprehensive submission to that and um, they ended up coming out with a set of really good recommendations. But of course they stopped clear of recommending a ban on the industry. But probably part of the reason for that is because the scope they were given is really about um, you know, making sure there's a sustainable industry. So they probably weren't really given scope by the government to, you know, recommend that the industry be closed down, which is, of course, what we would all like. So the, the biggest outcome, um, Alan McSporran, who was a QC heading the inquiry, found was just a, a gross failure on Racing Queensland's part, and that really fell down to the self-regulation, what I mentioned earlier. The, um, where they have to promote the commercial interests of the industry and ensure the welfare of the greyhounds themselves. It um, was then uh, publicly available information, um, including lots of emails that were sent from Haley, our greyhound campaigner, um, who was writing to the then CEO of Racing Queensland, Darren Condon, uh, requesting information regarding life cycle tracking, um, the wastage, the, the denial of the wastage, and that um, inability to easily access very transparent, uh, transparent, sorry, and accountable statistics, and they they just were routinely ignored. And the last correspondence that um, we, as an organisation, had with them did actually mention live baiting, and that was explained away um, as an admin error. So the CEO of Racing Queensland blamed his um, administration officer for losing the email. They recommended the end of self-regulation and certainly an accurate and transparent life cycle tracking. So what happens to these puppies when they're born and um, what happens to them 
if they even get to the racetrack, and, and something to ensure that their welfare is met um, and they're not just killed if they, they don't make the grade to be a racer. And they also um, recommended breeding caps. They, as Chase said, didn't recommend an outright ban. Certainly the industry um, is trying to justify itself in the face of increased public scrutiny. What they have uh, said um, in consultation meetings is that they are going to adopt these recommendations. Um, so while it continues to exist, they are at least attempting to um, improve welfare by capping numbers of um, litters um, this is in Queensland, having a database that's going to be publicly accessible so um, people will be able to find out, probably for a small fee, sort of um, how many dogs are bred, what happens to them if they don't make it to the track, are they rehomed, um, uh, all sorts of information about their life cycle. Another thing that um, was a concern previously, this is going back a couple of years, they had a retirement form, um, a, a full Racing Queensland document that had uh, failure to perform as a reason to euthanise a greyhound, which is um, appalling. That was removed and now, again, to ensure that these um, dogs aren't going to be killed, they're proposing a new form that um, has to be signed uh, by uh, maybe an adoption group or a veterinarian certifying that this animal is actually being adopted. So while the industry continues to exist, um, they are trying to appease the public um, by looking to be improving welfare. But of course, there's no way that they can um, enforce this. With We've seen it hasn't worked before. I don't know how on earth it's going to be regulated now. And there's no way that they will, they will achieve zero wastage. It's impossible. There was a, a very strong response from our Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk. Spelt it right. Um, she was actually um, on the verge of tears once the McSporran uh, report was handed down and that was on the 2nd of June. And to have a politician thank animal groups like that was fairly significant. That was, um, that was massive and probably unprecedented. Of, of course she yeah, made those big statements but then later refused to meet with us. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Can I just say also, this, this sort of ongoing fallout is in no particular order. To I have the timeline of events, I, it was just impossible. So we've just tried to um, sort of break it up between industry and um, just sort of uh, give you a brief rundown of what happened. So um, the Chief Integrity Officer of Queensland um, was stood down. Eventually all codes um, boards were um, stood down. The Greyhound Racing Victoria Chairman resigned um, fairly shortly after the expose. The New South Wales boards were stood down anyway and the Brent Hogan, who was their CEO, uh, resigned and Darren Condon, who was uh, the CEO of Racing Queensland, actually lost his position recently. It was a very sad day. <laughs> they can't deny that they didn't know about it. This was happening right under their noses. It didn't matter whether it was in Queensland, an hour and a half away from a major metropolitan centre, or any of the um, locations in New South Wales and Victoria. They knew. And um, Steve Hawkins, who was laughably the former chair of their welfare working party, 
um, confirm that. And again, in news reports recently that's come out of the New South Wales inquiry, um, trainers are saying exactly the same thing. We had some very, very, very strong words um, from the council assisting the commissioner of the inquiry in New South Wales, um, basically saying that they should be running scared and rather than the greyhounds, they're now running for their lives and ultimately recommended um, that the commissioner should tell, uh, recommend the government um, to close the industry down. So... <laughs> Do you want me to keep going? This was actually um, published by ABC Online, and it was um, like yeah, they was they knew we're screwed, <laughs> essentially. Um, so a lot of emails were released, um, and they were just trying to strategize internally, like how are we going to get around this? They were mad at the RSPCA, like, how dare they expose animal cruelty? Um, you know. <laughs> Um, they're living out their mission statement, but how dare they? And um, yeah, th they are running scared. And essentially, the, the inquiry has put them on notice down there. So it's just an email that was sent internally. Um, basically, they said, we always knew this day would come and we'll be right, we'll get through this. They were trying to explain away um, their actions and sort of soften the blow of all these um, reports. So yeah, they knew they were in trouble. Cool. So, yeah, as part of the New South Wales inquiry um, hearings that have been going on recently, um, that was one of the admissions that came from the peak body Greyhounds Australasia, um, that 13,000 to 17,000 greyhounds are killed every year by the industry. And that's an industry estimate, and of course the numbers bred very slightly year to year, and our estimate was about 18,000. So, yeah, so now we're sort of saying it's around 17,000 to 18,000 greyhounds killed every year. Um, but the truth is no one has an exact figure because they don't track how many, um, how many dogs are born into the industry. They only track um, how many litters are born and then how many are actually registered for race. Um, so there it is here, 96% of the greyhound pups probably estimated to be killed, um, the ones that are um, bred for the industry. So where to from here? Um, so there's still a lot of work going on. There's still government inquiries. Um, we're obviously calling for a ban on greyhound racing. Um, Animal Live Queensland focusing our efforts in Queensland. Um, we've just launched a new billboard, which looks fantastic at Brisbane Central Station. Yeah, and down the bottom, which you probably can't read clearly from there, it says 18,000 greyhounds killed every year in, a, um, in Australia. Help us ban greyhound racing with our website. So this could be seen by up to 100,000 people every day. And we're cu currently doing crowdfunding to put a series of billboards up over six over a six month period um, yeah basically to keep attention on this issue and keep the pressure on the politicians to actu and the industry to actually follow through yeah it was relatively easy the um, company and the um, our account manager through the billboard company was quite supportive um, when they saw our artwork they you know, put it through all their approval processes and they they actually said to us we we, we think this will probably generate some media interest and some complaints, but it's all above board. It meets the you know advertising standards and stuff, so it's all fine. And because it's such a, we all say like such a vilified industry now, it's it's um, quite easy to get away with that. Um, so of course, if you're interested in supporting that, um, go to our website and you can help keep our billboards up.
This is at Brisbane Central Station, so we wanted something that sort of worked for that audience, and it actually says, um, running late isn't the end of the world, dot, 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 unless you're a greyhound. So we thought that was appropriate for the, for the position there. Yep, so there's still ongoing work responding to media reports, um, potentially ongoing investigations to make sure the industry actually has cleaned up its act. Um, as we saw, as I mentioned earlier, there's um, yeah, that case where there was a trainer that had already been charged live-baiting kittens, you know, after the task force had been formed. So, so I have no doubt that, you know, live-baiting is still going on in certain places around the country today. So, so I guess if we can show that even after all this that it's still going on, then that'll, you know, help fuel the case for further change and ultimately banning the industry. Um, we're still doing a lot of work in Logan, um, trying to get that track finally just ruled out. The government's taken the, the minister's taken the easy option at the moment and just put it on hold. And initially it was on hold um, pending the outcome of the commission of inquiry. Um, now he's chosen to um, yeah, leave that on hold, which yeah, it's just a politically easy thing to do because <laughs> if, if he came out and said it's going ahead, there'd be um, probably be quite a lot of backlash at the moment. Um, but if he ruled it out entirely, then he'd yeah, get backlash from the industry. So, so we're following up to meet with a minister, and that's obviously one of the things we'll be pushing for that he should do straight away. Um, I understand that some of the breeding incentive schemes and stuff have been pulled, um, which again is outrageous when you've got s thousands and thousands of dogs being killed every year. That the in that the government was helping with subsidies for them to actually breed more dogs. It's just outrageous. Um, I guess the other problem is that even though they've made all these recommendations and a commitment to follow through, at the moment it's still pretty much business as usual. The, the same number of races are still going ahead. Um, some of the trainers have even got their dogs back. Like it's still, it's still happening. It's still you know, business as usual. So we need to keep as much pressure as we can to make sure they actually follow through with these recommendations. And even if we don't get a ban immediately, um, Certainly lowering the number of dogs that are bred will you know, benefit thousands of animals that won't have to be killed. And getting better tracking for the life cycles of the dogs will, will help us because we can actually say with absolute certainty how many dogs are being killed and what happens to them. But also make it a lot harder and a lot more expensive for the industry to operate. Yeah, of course, um, how can you help? As I mentioned, um, go to our website, alq.org.au, and also the joint website, greyhoundcruelty.com. Um, we've just launched a new action on our website where um, we're encouraging people to email their M state MPs calling for a ban. Um, you can support our billboard, um, help us keep that up, and yeah, just get on social media, spread the word, follow Animals Australia and Animal Lib Queensland, and just keep the pressure on. You're listening to 3CR Radio. Get the lowdown on the know-how, the food know-how. Victorian households are throwing away over $2,000 a year in wasted food. That's just not smart. You can be smarter than the average Victorian by joining Food Know-How and learn simple steps to reduce your food waste, save money and protect the environment. This program is free to residents of Yarra, Moreland, Darabin, Maribyrnong or Whittlesea. Visit foodknowhow.org.au. 
Funding for the project provided by Victorian Government's Metropolitan Local Government Waste and Resource Recovery Fund. The Food Know-How Program is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. And that earlier track was Ulai O by How I Became the Bomb. Now, since that live baiting story first came to light last February, thanks to the ABC's Four Corners show, there's been some further developments. Firstly, those reporters won Gold Walkley and Voiceless Media Awards, which in my opinion is well-deserved. And Queensland has introduced the Racing Integrity Act, which aims to reform the racing industry structure in that state and to bring in the integrity unit to oversee animal welfare and to tick off on the first three McSporran Inquiry Report recommendations. And very recently, Animal Liberation Queensland won a $15,000 grant from Voiceless to go towards their six-month billboard campaign. Uh, That was mentioned in Chai's talk. But billboards are damn expensive and they have to raise another $7,000 to reach the total of $30,000 that's necessary. So if you want to help out, as I'm sure you do, just follow the links from their website, alq.org.au. And if you want to learn more about the new Greyhound Exportation Exposé, go to the Animals Australia website. By the way, Qantas has just announced that it will no longer facilitate that horrid trade, which is really, really good news. So some community announcements. Next Saturday, the 19th of December, Melbourne Pig Save and Melbourne Chicken Save are joining forces to hold a peaceful joint rally in the Burke Street Mall at 12 noon. For newcomers to animal activism, this rally will be a really great and gentle introduction. More details on their Facebook page and on ours. Then the next day, on Sunday, the 20th of December, there's a fundraising event at Long Play in Fitzroy North. Aussie Farms will be screening the movie Bold Native. Tickets are available online, and I'll post that link on our Facebook page also. That's it for today. Many thanks to Che Neal and to Rebecca Russo and to How I Became the Bomb. Get in touch with us, if you fancy, via Facebook or via Twitter or email Info at freedomofspecies.org. I'm going to leave you with a few songs from Icelandic band Sigur Ross. See you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.